Hello, everyone. Brilliant. It's been exciting to be here. We, we've uh, had Healing on the Streets training uh, over the weekend. It's been amazing. We had an amazing time on the streets. And I'm just going to invite Abby to come and share maybe a story of, of her experience. Um, so you're going to hear lots of, I'm sure, wonderful, really miraculous stories from Mark this morning. Um, it's true, because God does miracles, and he's done some yesterday, and it's all very exciting. Um, and I was really scared about doing healing on the streets, um, but it was really amazing. And um, so one thing quickly, we prayed for Eunice yesterday, and um, she has had like bad glaucoma in her eyes, and they were all cloudy yesterday. And we saw the clouds go, which is crazy. And still... This morning, her like sight is better, not 2020 yet, but like better, praise God. But also, what I wanted to say, it's not exactly healing on the streets, but on the way home uh, from town, I was walking and I saw this lady and her two, two girls taking some suitcases and they, they were hard to take. And I was like, oh, come on, girls, this is ridiculous. So I <laughs> went up to them and was like, oh, do you want some help? You seem to be walking the same way as me. Um, and they were like, oh, it's really heavy. I was like, no, I'm strong. Um, <laughs> so um, I lifted this girl's suitcase, and we were walking along and talking about swimming and stuff. Um, and then they were like, oh, what have you done today? And I was like, oh, I was in town with my church. And they were like, oh, yeah, there's loads happening in, in, in town. There was these people doing healing. I was like, yeah, that's my church. Um, <laughs> and then we were just talking about things that actually happened. And she was like, oh, yeah, it's like placebo effect when it happens. Like, that's all scientific, isn't it? And I was like, well, do you know what? Like, not just that. Um, <laughs> I was like, there was actually, like, things that cannot be explained placebo-wise that happened. And I told her about a few stories that had happened. Um, and although she was very skeptical as was my housemate when I went home. Um, I feel like they're just going to think about that. And it's just really exciting. That we're going to be there again, and I'm just really excited for our town to be transformed, not, not just by physical healing, but also by a healing of a community and love. Thanks so much. Wow. That's so cool. It was great yesterday. You know, you've got a great spot. We saw loads of people came for prayer. Lots of people are encountering uh, Jesus in a powerful way. And we saw people healed. Uh, one couple was healed. The, 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 the husband sat in the chair and uh, his leg grew out. He was healed. His wife watched and witnessed that. And we ended up sharing the gospel with, with him. And, but both of them, we led to Jesus. And it was great to see. And then to see someone who uh, said, well, I'm an atheist. Then sit in the chair with a with a real really painful knee, and this guy will just say as it is, and and uh, his leg grew out, and he felt his leg grow out. He he got up to try his knee out. The knee was exactly the same. He said, "Okay, sit down. Let's, we're going to pray again. Pray the second time." But this time he says, "You know what? It does feel different. My knee feels better." And we sat. He sat down the third time and prayed one more time, and his knee was even better than an improvement. So that gave him a lot of food for thought. I just love that. You know? So God, God is stirring up uh, the city, I'm calling it a city, prophetically, of Ashford. It's wonderful. And um, you know, we have the privilege. I'm with my beautiful PA. I know you might think that doesn't sound professional, but we are married, Linda. 
is my fear. We travel around the world, and we do go around the world, uh, and launch a ministry. I have a privilege of pioneering um, that for the last 14 years, we've been doing healing on streets in the Causeway Coast Vineyard. We've been outside of Colerain Town Hall every Saturday, regardless of the weather. We kneel to pray. It's a very beautiful, gentle ministry, but full of the presence and uh, of the Holy Spirit. And we haven't pushed any doors in those 14 years in obedience to God, and he's led us uh, all over the world, and we're continuing to travel all over the world. Now, Eastern Europe, we've been far, as far away as India and Africa, South America, America, North America. Healing on the streets is as far away as Tasmania and Australia and New Zealand. It's, as, it's in, um, across Europe, now increasingly into Eastern Europe. And uh, so it's so good to see what God is doing and so good to be part of it. And I've, I've got to give honor, actually, to, it's because it's Mother's Day and I wasn't, I didn't prepare a, a message for Mother's Day, but I need to do this because if you've read my book, I have a, a, a book called Healing, uh, called, <laughs> I can't remember the name of the book. Thank you. It's that one hour, you know, difference <laughs> on top of my jet lag, which, are, you know, being in Jamaica not so long ago. So um, stepping into the impossible, then if you've ever read that book, um, you'll, you'll have learned a little bit about my past life, which I, uh, I wrote actually to, to stop having to tell everybody, really wanting to know everywhere I go, where are you from? What is your background? So that is basically, that's basically one of the reasons why I wrote that, because it's, it's a bit complicated. But you would know that uh, I've never known my mother. You know, I didn't know my mother. I've grown up without a mother. But I, 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 but I want to honor my spiritual mothers in Christ who, you know, 30 years ago, as a young, as a young believer in Jesus, got taken under the wing of a group of intercessors who are these amazingly godly, prophetic, and wise women between the ages of 70 and 90, who kind of adopted me. Uh, in fact, they had a small group, which they were praying for men to join the group, um, because they were, just, they were just with those women there. And I think the men in the church were too afraid to join them. Because, I mean, they were scary intercessors. They could take one look at you and tell you what you'd eaten for breakfast. I mean, your life was an open book to them. And they were incredibly, you know, uh, had the ear tuned to God and, and walked very close. And I learned so much from them, and I, and I thank God for them. And they're the ones, if you want to blame anyone for why I'm here, you can blame them for their prayers for me. That's the reason why, why I'm here. And I always thought it was like God made a mistake calling a shy introvert, because I'm, I'm not so, so shy as I used to be, but I'm definitely an introvert to be an evangelist. But I realize that God is really smart. And he knows what he's doing. So anyway, you know, I, we, we have the privilege of traveling around the world, and we launch healing streets, and we teach thousands of Christians how to pray for those outside. But increasingly, um, I get invited to... Um, more and more conferences to speak at. And have you ever been to a conference or to a place where they have prophetic artists? Has anyone ever seen a prophetic artist? Okay, for those of you who've never seen a prophetic artist or know what they do, sometimes at meetings you'd have someone maybe to the side who is beginning to paint what they feel prophetically God is saying 
during the meeting, and it, and it may be while the speaker is speaking and whatever message he has. And, you know, you see, and I, because I have a, an art background, I went to art college for four years, and I love art, and I'm always interested. And you see these gifted, anointed, eloquent speakers stand at the front while one of these prophetic artists paints a picture like a roaring lion, which represents the lion of Judah roaring over his people. Or then you get another uh, gifted speaker, and then they have like fire from heaven falling down. Yeah, and I thought, God, one day I, w- I would love to have someone paint a picture for me. And I got invited to speak at a conference in Switzerland, and they had these prophetic artists in. I thought, great, I'm going to have someone paint something for me. And, you know, while the speakers came up, there were some amazing paintings going on. And I just couldn't wait for my turn. And then I saw a woman, and she's beginning to paint as I'm about to get on. And then I'm, I can't make out what it is. I'm curious. So I get up onto the platform, and I'm speaking, and I'm, I'm not the best speaker in the world. I'm doing my best. And I glance over to see what painting she's painting, and then I realize she's painting a donkey. (laughs) I mean, some people get roaring lions and fire from heaven and crowns of gold with like piercing bright light shining out, and I get a donkey. And I wasn't quite, I wasn't sure if I should be concerned or or encouraged by it. But then the Lord reminds reminds me that actually He spoke through a donkey once. And I said, Lord, Thank you. If you can speak through a donkey, you can speak through me. There's hope for me, God. At least, you know, maybe you can speak through me today. And then he reminded me that actually it was a donkey that carried the presence, uh, his presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit, God, into the city. And it was a donkey that carried Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. And in Matthew 21.10, we read, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? I said, God, your presence is what changes and transforms towns and cities and nations. And I am honored to be a donkey, to be able to carry your presence into every place that you would send me, and I'll be honored to carry you. So that's what I am. I'm a donkey for the Lord, and I carry his presence wherever I go, and, I, and it's a, an absolute privilege to do that. Wherever his presence is, everything, things change. You know, the status quo that is over the city shifts. Whatever the lie of the devil is over Ashford changes. Yesterday, it changed while we stood there in the impossible place, and I just love it. And there's this wonderful picture. You see, when Jesus healed the sick, and I love this about the Lord, he where as a young Christian, I began to read the Bible till two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning until my eyeballs are falling out of my head because, you know, if you want to get to know, get to know Jesus, get to know his character and everything about him, you want to read and, and pursue him. And I was pursuing his presence, pursuing everything I, I could to find out about him. And I read that he went around doing good and healing all that were under the power of the devil. Now, wouldn't you want to have that, just that reputation? that you had the reputation of this church. Somebody wanted to know about this church. Oh, they're great. You know, they, they do good. If somebody wanted to find out where this church was, and they would ask anyone in the community, and their response would be, oh, that church, they're, they're great. You know, the, you'll find them everywhere throughout the community. They're doing good. And do you know what? They heal the sick as well, and they have 
this thing as well called Healing on the Streets, and you can actually go there or go to the church or bump into any one of the, the, one, the ones that go to the church. They'll pray for you, and they're doing such an amazing work. I'd settle for that reputation, wouldn't you? It's great. And Jesus had this. Wherever he went, he prayed for the sick. But the thing was, and he did like, like the man with the withered hand and arm, and, and in full view of everybody, he told the man to stretch out his arm. And as he stretched his hand out, his whole hand that was withered became whole. And he did miracles in full view and healed the sick in full view of everybody. And we read that the Bible says that when he did that, the, the, the result was that the people who witnessed these miracles, witnessed the signs and wonders and the healings that he did, they praised the God of Israel. They believed in him. They followed him. They put their faith in him. It, this was the effect of doing this publicly. And what happened was the moment that people began to discover that you just got to go near Jesus, touch him, you'll be healed. Everybody wanted to be near Jesus and everybody wanted to touch him. And the crowds began to grow and grow till there were thousands of people, thousands. And there were times where he was almost crushed by the crowd. Do you remember when he was going to heal Jairus' daughter and he was being carried by the, by the crowd and crushed? And... You know, I used to live in, in London and take the, the central line tube into, into the city. Has anyone ever been on the central line or, you know, during rush hour? You'll understand what it's like. It's like being, in a, being a sardine in a can. It's the weirdest thing, actually, that you're like so tightly squeezed up together, right? You kind of know what the person had for breakfast or the, the night before. And you're too afraid to say anything to that person because you'd be weird if you did. And then a train stops and it's not your stop, but you find your feet being lifted off the ground and you're being carried out of the door, through the doors, and you have to fight your way back on, onto the train. And, and, you know, it was like Jesus was, was kind of finding himself now in this situation and, and now it's becoming more difficult for him to to do what he had to do. He had a plan, and he, had to, and he would say, I have to go to other towns to preach the good news of the kingdom. That's why I've been sent. And so he began to spend more times in lonely places and hide himself away from the crowd and pray for people more privately. And, and you know, sometimes you hear people say, especially when you're doing this, you know, reaching out to people in the community publicly and healing them and praying for them publicly, like healing on the streets. And some people might say, well, you know, Jesus did this, did this privately. You, should, you shouldn't really be doing it outside. You should be doing it where nobody can see you. But they've missed the context of why Jesus began to do it privately. Let me show you and, and read to you. Um, and you'll start to get a picture. And I just love the, book of, I love the book of Mark. And I can really identify with Jesus um, in some of the things and where he began to hide himself. In Mark chapter 1, 32, 37, we'll read this. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. Can you imagine being in a house and there's a knock on the door? They go, can you, can you just go and see who that is? The door opens. The whole town's there. All the sick, all the demon-possessed are there. You know, I can imagine them going, oh, really? <laughs> oh, 
okay, we better do something. So, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. They knew, he, and it, this is the interesting thing, that it's always the demonic that first recognized who Jesus was. So when you, when you start to step out for the, for, for the Lord and the kingdom of God comes, sometimes you're going to have people come who are being led from a, by a different spirit because they recognize who Jesus is and, and always they did. They knew he was the son of God, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Jesus didn't want them to speak because he didn't want people who were expecting a Messiah to come in all his glory as the king of kings and the Lord of lords to forcefully um, take Jesus into Jerusalem. Jerus uh, Jesus was to come into uh, Jerusalem through a more humble way of transport on a donkey. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You can imagine in the busiest of times, everybody wanted him, and he just... He just needed to be with the Father. You cannot keep releasing. Um, you, you cannot give out of empty. You have to be able to receive from God and learn to receive from God the Father. And Jesus knew this. He is our model. If you want to do the very things that Jesus did, and he said, not only can you do what I've done, but you'll do greater things when I go to be with the Father. And Jesus is our model. And the Bible says he often withdrew to lonely places to pray. And for him, those lonely places away from the crowds was on a hilltop. And he would go there very often. I think he was homesick and he wanted to spend time with the Father to breathe in the pure oxygen of heaven. And the Bible says that as he came out of the presence of the Father, he was clothed with compassion. He was filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. Power was coming out of his body through his clothing. That Anyone who touched him or bumped into him were healed. Can you imagine that? Some of you, you've spent time with God and, you, and you're spending lots of time with God and you, you're thinking to yourself, I really wish... I could pray for the sick. I could minister the sick. And you are, but in ignorance. You accidentally bump into someone in the street and you go, oh, sorry, and they're healed <laughs> because of what you carry, because you've been in God's presence. You go into your workplace, you shake the hand of your work colleague who is maybe developing a migraine headache, and you greet your work colleague by shaking his hand, and they're healed. And you don't know any you don't know any better because of what it is you carry. When you've been in God's presence and you receive from the Holy Spirit and you're filled afresh, then you have something to release. And Jesus knew that He's our model. He knew the only way he could keep going and keep releasing what he had was to spend time with the Father, and that's what he did. And that's the model. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed. They exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Can you imagine how Jesus must have felt? He's being chased all over the place. And, he's, and he is just like us. He is subject to, to tiredness. And he would get tired and hungry. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. Then in Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 45, we read, A man of leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled of compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. You know, when, 
when this man came, this, this leper, the last thing you would do whenever someone like a leper approached you is one, you wouldn't go near a leper. In those days, they would have spat at the leper. They would have said to him, go away, you are, you are unclean, you're filthy, don't come near me. They would have cursed him. They would have said, either you sinned or your, fa- your parents did, and you deserve this. And they were, the people would be very unkind. And Jesus is looking at this man, and I'm thinking as he's looking at him, is thinking, compassion fills his heart. And he looks at this man and he thinks, when was the last time anyone embraced you? When was, when was the last time someone told you that, you're, that you were special, that you're loved? This man has a mother who would have loved this, this man as a, as a child and a father. You know, if you don't get, if you don't, yeah, can you imagine not being able to touch another human being? You would literally go, go stir crazy. Touch is so important. It's really important that we, that we touch you know, appropriately. And you know, I feel today you need to hug somebody. Give somebody a hug today before you go, before you leave here. Give someone a good, brotherly, sisterly, fatherly, motherly hug. Did you do that? Because we need it. We do need it. We need that physical touch. It's healthy. And Jesus, when, you know, not only would you, would you not go near a leper, you wouldn't touch them because not only would you be taking on their uncleanliness, but the, the fear was that you would catch leprosy. And Jesus reached out his hand with full of compassion. And I can imagine him thinking, if only you knew how willing I am. I'd be, I'm willing to die for you. If you were the only one left here, I would die for you. And he reached out his hand, and not only did power flow through his hand to heal, but the touch conveyed compassion. It touched, hey, don't worry about them shouting at you. They're shouting at me as well, but you're with me now. You're okay. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. I'm here. And he made him completely whole in every way, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It's a wonderful story. And it says, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So now, so Jesus said to him, okay, you're healed. But look, don't tell anyone. Have you got it? I really don't know how Jesus can be stern with someone who's just healed. I mean, can you imagine being, you know, suffering with leprosy? I don't know how long he's been in that condition, suddenly discovering that you're completely healed, that Jesus healed you and he's being stern. Don't tell anybody. I can imagine a leper going, Lord, I promise I won't, I won't breathe a word of it. He says, okay, but you better go and present yourself to the priest. Because the priest was like the doctor of the day who would declare you free from disease and cleanse, okay? But this is what happens. Instead, so instead of going to the priest, instead he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him 
from, from everywhere. So instead of keeping quiet, he went out and told everybody about what Jesus did. And when Jesus said, okay, I've got to hide myself away. Let's go to lonely places. Even the presence of God in lonely places, he cannot hide his presence. He's, you know, people are drawn to wherever he goes to. So Mark 7, chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. I can identify with the Lord right there. Yet he could not keep his present secret. It's impossible when Jesus comes into a town, into a city, into a nation, it is impossible to hide his presence. It's impossible to hide his presence. His, his presence draws people like a magnet, and you just cannot keep his presence secret. So then, Mark 7, 31 to 37, then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. Hmm. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. So, Jesus takes this man away from the crowd because he knows if he, if, if he does this in, view, in full view of the crowd, there's no way he's going to get away, right? So he needs to be, do this privately. So I, I love, because I have this you know, creative, artistic background, I visualize everything in the Bible. I try and picture what Jesus was doing. And I see Jesus doing this. He puts his fingers into the man's ears. <laughs> Right? Can you imagine the man, uh, Jesus' fingers into man's eardrums, then he pulls the fingers out of his eardrums, then takes the finger, he's just taken out the man's eardrum, and he sticks it on the man's tongue. I think, Lord, are you rubbing your finger you've just taken out of his ear onto his tongue? And then, and then the Bible says, and he, Jesus spat. Where, Lord, did you spit? <laughs> Where did you, and I, and I just have this kind of feeling Jesus spat on the tongue. And then he says, which is like a really good word of command, which means be opened. And immediately the man could hear and could speak plainly. I think the Lord was going to regret releasing his tongue in a moment. So Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. Don't say a word. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. Can you imagine that? Do you know, I think we do our evangelism training completely wrong. We need to do it in secret. And we need to say, whatever happens in this room, don't tell anybody. You know, we need to have a secret society and do everything hidden away because it just seemed to draw more and more people. The more Jesus said, don't tell anybody, there were two blind men. Right? He says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, Lord, we want to see. So he heals them. Give their, their eyesight's restored. They, they can see. And he's really stern with them. I can imagine Jesus going one after another. Why? He went and did what? He, he told everybody. Okay, now he's two blind men. Don't tell anybody. Lord, we promise we won't breathe a word. Not to anybody. 
And they went and told everybody. You've got to read this thing. It's amazing. It's fun. You know, as a result, he couldn't go anywhere uh, and, you know, without the crowd stopping. So he went and began to hide in, uh, hide himself away in lonely places, slip in and out, do what he needed to do, preach the good news and go to another place. And he couldn't always stop for everybody. He, he was going to a party and he was taking a shortcut through the pool of Bethesda and he sees a man who's paralyzed. He said, oh, well, how long has he been like that? And so he heals the man and slips through the crowd disappears. People say, well, he didn't heal everybody there. Well, because Jesus had to go somewhere else. Who healed you? Don't know. Do you know know, there were times where Jesus healed the sick and had no idea who it was that healed him? Later they discovered. That's interesting. So, people were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the, the mute speak. And you know, when, I, when I, I, I see Jesus healing, he was so creative. He was demonstrating total liberation out of intimacy with the Father. And when he came out of the presence of the Father, uh, and he, he went around and he just, he was creative. Uh, and the way that he healed, it was fluid, creative, happened anywhere, anytime in the way of his choosing. And you know, I... I just want to do what Jesus did. I want to do it the way he did. And I, I hear people say, well, you know, we don't want to do it any of these weird, fandangled ways of praying, you know. We just want to do it the way that Jesus did it. And I totally agree. So, you know, there was times where Jesus, the way Jesus ministered to the blind. Do you remember that time there's a blind man and Jesus spits into the man's eyes. Jesus seemed to like to use spit. Do you notice that? So he spits into this man's eyes. Then how else are you going to spit? And then he puts his hands over the man's eyes. Now I'm reading this as a young Christian. I go, okay, Lord, right, so now you're rubbing the spit in his eyes. Because it just says, and Jesus puts his hands over the man's eyes. And then he asks the man, so what do you see? And the man says, well, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. And I thought, well, Lord, perhaps he shouldn't have spat in his eyes. I mean, you try looking clearly, seeing clearly if you have spit in your, in your eyes. But then the Lord ministers the second time. But the second time he doesn't spit in the man's eyes. I know, I know you're not going to spit the second time. He just lays his hands over the man's eyes. Says, I know what you're doing, Lord. You're wiping the spit off now. Then a man could see. And there was a third time that Jesus used spit. Do you remember that? Do you remember the time? Who can, who can tell me when he used spit again? I think it was, you know, there were so many, so many miracles, so many healings that weren't recorded. I think Jesus used a spit a lot. But let me, let me remind you, there was a man who was born blind. Do you remember the story? And so Jesus starts to make mud pies of his spit. Who's made mud pies, ever made mud pies as children? Okay, how many of you made, made mud pies of spit? You were so well brought up. Your mother said, don't do that. That's unhygienic. You were very well brought up. But Jesus is making mud pies of his spit. But what's he doing? And what's he communicating? Well, let me give you some thoughts about what I think Jesus is communicating in that moment. Well, one, he's communicating this, that he is the creator of all things. 
And in the beginning, he created us from the dust of the earth. And I think he was making some eyeballs. Well, there's a really good-looking eyeball made of some mud there. Into that socket, makes another one. Into that socket. But he's also saying something else, because this was happening on a, on a Sabbath day, and there were religious leaders, teachers of the law, who were trying to criticize him and catch him out. And as he was spitting into the dust, I began, did you see that? Did you see what he just did? And the reason why he was, Jesus was doing that, I believe, is because there is a law on the Sabbath day God gave to us not to work on the Sabbath day. And that was good for us. We need a day of rest. There is, it's important. You cannot just keep going because something will break down somewhere. You need that day of rest. And it's, it's pretty straightforward and very practical. Just don't work, rest on that day. And, but there's teachers of the law wrote books about the law that was given and trying to refine the law down. There were books written about the books that were written about the law. And to give an example, they were saying, now what did God mean about not working on the Sabbath day? And they created these laws that said this, for example, on the Sabbath day, you cannot spit in the dust because the dust the spit will roll in the dust and it will make mud and that's work. But you can spit on a rock because it's not going to do anything and that's not work. So it's crazy. And it was tying people up. I mean, can you imagine how crazy that is? And you know, Jesus is going, hey, you know that law that you made? This is what I think of it. So he's upsetting some, some religious leaders. But then he says, but then he says to the, this blind man, now go wash in a pool of Siloam. Now what does he mean by that? Does it mean that, that there's no more power left in a pool of Bethesda? The, the anointing of God is gone from there and that now it's over here in Siloam. No, I don't think it, I don't think that's what Jesus meant. I think Jesus had a brainwave. Because if you had grown up in this town, with this blind man. And now you're seeing him walking to the pool of Siloam with mud in his eyes. Who are you going to follow, Jesus or the blind man? I know who I'm following. I'm following the blind man. I've got to see what happens when he washes the mud out of his eyes. And I think as Jesus was going that way, sorry, as the blind man was going that way, Jesus said, I'm off this way, just to get away from the crowd. And, and so I think, you know, that Jesus as a model for ministry is what we should adhere to. So um, maybe we should have a, a ministry of spit. Can I ask how many of you in this room um, have any eye problems, eye defects? Hands up. Okay. Very interesting. I, I'll explain. The same thing happened in the, in, in the, the earlier meeting that we had because so, I see a whole number of you wearing glasses I noticed just happened to notice from here and interesting when I asked the question I know only a few of you put your hand up that were wearing glasses and the rest of you many of you who were wearing glasses didn't move now either it's because your glasses are just pure glass clear glass and there's nothing wrong with your eyes you just look more handsome and good looking <laughs> with a pair of glasses on, you know? And some of you, and I noticed this when I, when I asked this question, they kind of like, 
take the glasses off and hide it and think, don't look at me. Well, what we can do, we have plenty of time. We can line you up, and there's plenty of room here. Line you up like that. And here's a word of wisdom. Um, I'm going to start that, 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 down that end, and that's the very place I would be for prayer first. Well, my spit is nice and fresh because my throat is quite dry, and when I get to about there, I'll have to draw from deep down. Well, let me just, let me just prime the pump. Can you, can you imagine how controversial that would be? I actually, I actually said that. I was speaking in Germany once, and it's being translated. I think it was in Hamburg. Next time I knew there was a surge as people started running to the front. And they really were, because they're expecting me to spit in their eyes. No, no, I'm not really going to do that. Can you imagine if this church was known as the spitting church? That'd be good, wouldn't it? Somebody says, hey, I've heard about this church. Do you know where it is? Um... So what, what's the name of this church? Ashford, of course it is, Ashford Vineyard. <laughs> so I forget where I am. Have you heard, have you heard about Ashford? There's, there's a vineyard down there called Ashford Vineyard, I think. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's just down there. Hey, listen, do you want to go there? Yeah, 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 I want to go. Listen, a word of advice. If, if you're sick, don't tell them. And if you do, don't get within spitting distance of them. So... You know, during the service comes to part in the service where it's ministry time. Okay, those of you who need healing, please stand. People stand. Those in the know, get the hats out. And the ministry team are the ones who can spit the furthest. <laughs> and they're standing here. They've, they've, we've had some, you know, some lessons in spitting. In the ministry time, we start spitting. <laughs> you know, I had an evangelist came to me once and said, Mark, yeah, yeah, I ministered to this blind man once. I said, you did? I said, yeah. He said, I spat in his eyes. I said, you did? He went, yeah. I said, was he healed? He went, no. <laughs> I said, that wasn't smart, was it? Now, please don't spit. Now, I'm not telling you you should spit. Don't spit. Um, it's just in those, in those days when Jesus spat, it meant something. It was, there, was, there was context to it. He turns what is a curse into a blessing. And I've gone, sorry, I've just realized I've gone way of time. He's turned what is a curse into a blessing. Please don't spit. When you have authority, you choose the way to release the authority Jesus has given to you. That's why authority could be abused, misused, misunderstood, not used. There could be a lack of wisdom in the use of authority. That's why you see people doing things that you could not do in the office. Because if you did it in the office, you'd get the sack. You go, God, that's amazing, because you've just seen a miracle here on a platform, but the way that guy did that just wouldn't work in the office. <laughs> All right? But honestly, because if you exercise authority, you have authority. God's given you authority. You choose the way you exercise it, but exercise it with wisdom. If there was a person in an office who was sick, I want to show you three ways quickly we're going to minister. Three ways you can minister with a cup of water. Healing, if you so choose. You find a work colleague, they're feeling sick, and you want to minister to them. What you, with a glass of water or a cup of water, you, you can take the glass of water and you can pour it over the head. Some of you would like to do that. I just have that sense. And, and if you wanted to, you could minister healing in that way. 
In another way, you can get the glass of water and you could throw it in someone's face for them to be healed. If you so desired to minister and release healing that way. Or you can give them a glass of water to drink. Now, which of those three would you choose? Because they're all valid. You choose the way you release the authority Jesus has given you. I give you has released, Jesus has released authority to heal the sick. So when you go away from here, you can choose. You can hold someone's hand. You can ask permission, put a hand on his shoulder, or even touch them at all. Just as you're, as you're talking, two people talking, two friends talking, right there, you, you can begin to release healing. Just want to, and ask them if you could pray for them. Just ask permission if you could pray for them. And when they say yes, and nine times out of ten, people say yes. Begin to speak to that condition and tell it to go in Jesus' name. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Simple prayer, 10-second prayer, 30-second prayer, but it would be amazed at what Jesus would do with it. So remember, please don't spit in people's eyes. Right? Be, but be creative. Many, many ways of releasing healing. Right. If you're in need of healing, please stand. If you're in need of healing right now, please stand. Okay, now those of you who are you're following Jesus and you have a beating pulse and you see the people who are standing, if you could just go around to them and put your hand on them gently, if it's appropriate and legal, just find a place. So we need everyone to just find someone who's standing and place a hand on them. Now if, if you don't have someone laying a hand on your shoulder, can you just raise your hand if someone comes to you? So we need some people over here. So please, if you're sitting down and you follow Jesus, he's given you, the Bible says this, a believer, a believer will lay the hands on the sick, the sick shall recover, all right? So all it is, the requirements are that you're a believer and you have a beating pulse, meaning you're alive. So is there anyone who doesn't have someone standing next to them? Put your hand up. If you don't have someone with you, there's, there's okay, someone over here has got the hand up still, needs someone. Hand up over here. Someone needs, needs to come over here. There's, some, there's a gentleman over there. Someone needs to go and stand over there with this gentleman there, please. For some of you, you've never done this before in your life. Now's the time to do it. You are not disqualified, all right? You're very much qualified. You're more qualified than you know. Does everyone have someone standing with them? Wonderful. Okay, we're gonna, I'm going to pray a general prayer. I'm going to release you to pray in a moment. Now I'm going to pray a general prayer of everyone. And I want you, you don't have to even have to know what's wrong with them. But I just want you to pray your best prayer that God would touch them, that every sickness, disease, ache or pain will go. And I'm going to say a general prayer for everybody to do that. So right, right now, pray your best prayer for that person you're standing with, that God would heal and God would release them. And I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for everyone standing here. Uh, everyone who needs healing and touch them, you love them so much. They're precious to you and you care for them, God. You love them with all of your heart. So we invite your presence to come. I pray for the deepest revelation of your love for them in their innermost being. Come and embrace them in your loving arms, Heavenly Father. Just come. And we release the warm oil of heaven to flow right now into their bodies, over their heads. You're going to feel the sense of the Holy Spirit, and in some way it may be heat, but I'm, I'm releasing warm oil of heaven to flow right now. Be healed into every joint, into, into your spine, 
into right away through every joint in your body. I speak flexibility, mobility, and freedom. I command all pain to go. I command migraine headaches to grow to, to go. I command tumors to shrivel and disappear. I command deaf ears to be open, tinnitus to go. I command every sickness of the, of the throat, of the, 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 the thyroid be healed in Jesus' name right, right now. The, the underactive thyroid, I command it to come alive in Jesus' name. Fibromyalgia go, neuralgia go, command all arthritis to go in Jesus' name. Command all disability, uh, those aching joints, aching legs and knees and uh, painful hip, wear and tear in the body to go in Jesus' name. May God restore every wear and tear in your body. I speak to every organ, uh, and I say, come alive in Jesus' name. Heart disease, go. I speak into being a brand new heart, brand new organs in Jesus' name. Come alive in Jesus' name. And from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, we release the healing power of Jesus. Let everything, your bones, your blood, uh, the chemical balance in your body, your organs, let it all function as God intended it to. Be healed in Jesus' mighty name because he loves you so much and because he loves to bring glory to the Father in Jesus' name. Now, as we've prayed that prayer, we need you, if it's possible, for you to test out your healing. And you may have to check it out. So if you want to right now, we're going to give you a 10 seconds to check out, 30 seconds to check out your healing, to test. Some of you won't know, you may need to see a doctor, but just test it out right now. Now, if there's been any change, if you've been healed or there's been any change in your body, could you just clap your hands to make sound? If there's any change in your body whatsoever, any shift at all, clap your hands. I heard a clap there. <laughs> I, I heard another clap there. Okay, so if, you've, if you're fine, you need to test it out. If there's any change, slightest change, and don't be kind to me. So I, honestly, if there was no clap, that, that's okay. But, but I believe God is doing something. And for some of you, you're gonna, some of you'll discover later, some of you, well, as you, as you come out of this building, you're gonna discover, before you get into your car, you're going to find you're here. We had um, just... Last week, one man came, fibromyalgia. He'd had so many people pray for him. By the time he left, he left the front, he'd had it for years. Had years of people praying for him, well-known people. But he began to forgive. One of the things was um, that I said that, that God wants required that we forgive. And when you stand to pray, believe that you received and it will be yours. But if you hold anything against anyone, like a grudge, forgive them so your heavenly Father can forgive you your sins. And, and so I led him in a prayer. And this man who said so many people pray for him, left there with pain, fibromyalgia, left there, went to his car. By the time he got into his car, he texted the leaders to say he was totally free of fibromyalgia. So some of you will be healed instantly. Some of you gradually. The Bible says a believer shall lay the hand on the sick. The sick shall recover. That signifies a period of time. You've got to leave that time to God and let him do it. So I'm looking for signs, little signs of movement. And the third way is where there's no sign of healing. And if there's been no sign, and I mean zilch, zero sign of healing, one, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. He still loves you with all of his heart. And secondly, it doesn't mean you're not going to be healed. You could be healed as you go. It can happen instantly, gradually, or you could wake up tomorrow and find yourself healed. But if there's still no change, don't stop 
pressing in to receiving his healing. He loves you and he wants to do that. Okay, God bless you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.